Hey there, it's Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, host of the Pat Miller Show. This show is for small business owners so they can make their business dreams come true. Our slogan is Don't Grow It Alone. And what you're going to hear is a broadcast of our show that's carried in 25 cities around the country. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Hope you love it. All right, let's go. Oh, hey, hi, how are you? What's going on? Okay, I can't hear you, but I'm sure you just talked back to your earphones. Uh, Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, back for another episode of the Pat Miller Show. Thank you so much for joining me. Here's what you can listen for in this episode of the show. We've got three callers and a really cool guest host uh, all standing by. On this episode, someone asks about how they can launch a higher-end product than what they're already doing. Another caller asks, how can they follow their passion inside all of their products? And that one is just right after my own heart. And then our third caller today is a lawyer who, get this, the lawyer wants to drive down her client's legal bills. Okay, you'll hear why and how she wants to help her clients. And she asks us some questions about how she can get that done. So those folks are all standing by. And our co-host this week is a mindset coach, Ariel Kopak from Harness Your Hindrance Coaching. Plus some of our new upgrades. I'll bop into the episode a couple of different times to share what I'm thinking and why I'm asking a few of the questions that I'm asking. So that way you can kind of crawl inside my head, which is uh, not as scary as you might think. So you can learn a little bit about what's going on inside the question asking session. So I'm glad that you're back. Hopefully you've hit that subscribe button by now so we can have this weekly conversation. But I don't know about you. It's time to get it on. All right, let's go. One, two, three. Here we go. Broadcasting from the small business capital of America. This is WIIFM Milwaukee. An idea coach station. You're on the small business journey, and sometimes you need a dose of creativity and a helping hand. And that's why we're here. Welcome to the Pat Miller Show, where we build big ideas live without a net so you can turn your small business dreams into reality. You share what you're building, and we'll rally to help it be bigger, better, faster, more. And it's not just what will be. We also want to hear your wins. So we're all reminded that small business success is here for everyone that gets clear, works hard, and doesn't quit. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach. If you want to be a part of the show, we would love to have you on. You just need to reserve your time. Find out all the information at patmillershow.com. Ariel Kopak, our co-host this week, she's a mindset coach with Harness Your Hindrance Coaching. She's standing by. But first, I got to call out some BS. I got some grade A BS that we need to un-BS before we move forward. And this is something that you hear all over the small business community. I've heard it a thousand times, and I don't think it's accurate. There's a lot of BS flying around the small business community, a lot, and we don't have time to diagnose it all. But this one thing I just got to say, because it's driving me crazy. Have you heard someone say lately, oh, everybody knows that in-person meetings are better than Zoom? BS. BS. In-person meetings are not always better than Zoom. I will give in-person meetings this. In-person meetings give you some of the informal, personalized 
customs and traditions that you don't get in a Zoom meeting. I'm talking about the great to see you hug, the what'll you have, I didn't know you liked that kind of meal, how were the kids, maybe the small talk is a little bit easier to come by, it's a little bit more laid back oftentimes, and you might make a more personal bond in an in-person meeting. I will grant you that. However, comma, Zoom meetings can be remarkably effective for a business meeting, either a group training or a one-on-one, they still can be really, really great. And if you're not getting the most out of Zoom meetings, you know, maybe you're not doing them right, or maybe you're not thinking about them the right way. Because a Zoom meeting, if you think about it, I've got your voice right inside my ears. I wear headphones when I do something. I'm looking right into a camera, right into your eyes. No waiter interrupts our conversation because we are looking right at each other. Most times, the person you're talking to is at their desk, in their office, in their happy, safe, comfortable place with their entire world right in front of them. So if we're having a call and you're asking me to help you with your website, let's say, you can actually pull up and show me your website. You can pull up a file. You can pull up a media clip. You can show me what you're talking about. And sometimes we don't really have a good way to do that in person. We can do printouts or bring a laptop, but that it's just not the same. And the other thing that Zoom meetings does really well, there are no boundaries. Inside the Idea Collective, we have a member in Tasmania, Australia, and a member in London. I can meet with them both individually at the same time, click a button, And we're live. No commute, no traffic, no gas. I mean, come on. (laughs) Zoom's like a money saver now, right? Even driving 20 miles to a restaurant is about $408 as we speak. So Zoom meetings can be really, really great. And if you're saying to yourself, I'm so glad that we're back to in-person meetings. Cool. That's awesome. In-person meetings are great. But I would ask you, Are you getting the most out of Zoom meetings because you're not doing them right? Are you really invested in what you're trying to do? And are you conducting as much business as you can inside a Zoom meeting? I love them. I think they're effective. And moving forward, they will always be in my bag of tricks as I try and build my business and as I try and build your business. All right, let's move forward and bring in our co-host for today's episode, Ariel Kopech. Harness your hindrance coaching. Ariel, great to see you. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Pat. I love co-hosting with you. I'm very excited for this. Well, it's going to be fun because we've got some really interesting people that are standing by, ready to get some coaching. And coaching is what you do. So I want to make sure everyone knows about Harness Your Hindrance. So if someone has not met you before, tell them what you do. I do mindset business coaching, which is focused on mindset first. So we do business coaching. It's all about business growth and maximizing your business with the focus and understanding of the foundation is your mindset. So there's no true separation between personal and professional when you and your mindset are in both. We got to take the whole person and as a business owner, focus on the mindset that you're bringing to your business. So one uh, thing I say is I help untangle the mental mess that's getting in the way of your success. Do you think people on the whole understand how powerful mindset coaching can be? I think that they conceptually understand, and yet it's a big mystery about how it works and how you actually get the return or the benefit from it. And 
Uh, one thing I know is a powerful fear is the fear of the unknown. So that's a big unknown uh, for how that works and what it means to actually untangle your mental mess to uh, achieve that next level of success. But mindset coaching isn't therapy. It's not where you're saying the same thing over and over and slowly iterating. Like you can have a conversation with someone and flip a switch and everything's different. It does work like that, doesn't it? Oftentimes. A great metaphor that I've heard for it was actually my dad, who's a business owner, who said what a lot of people say to me, I still don't understand what you do. (laughs) (laughs) You're half into my business. (laughs) And I said, so I explained to him a little bit of the process, the overview, and he goes, goes, okay, so I'd go into a business and look at their production line and find the bottleneck that's hindering their production. And you do that with people's minds. I said, exactly. That's exactly what I do. Go in and find the bottlenecks that are in the in the mindset um, that are getting in the way of the productivity, the outcome, the fluidity uh, that you're looking for. When someone hears their bottleneck, it's unlocked in a mindset session. How do they react when that thing is made apparent to them and it's been holding them back all this time and they didn't realize it or didn't appreciate it, how does it hit them? It varies by person, of course. Oftentimes, there's a sense of frustration. The bottlenecks are rarely logical. You know, it's coming from a a place of fear, self-protection, or a belief that they just adopted at one point that now that they see it from kind of that outside detached perspective, they can see that it's not working, how it's been holding them back. They're frustrated. They think how I wish I would have known this prior. And so you can't blame yourself for what you previously did not know. You did not know. And if it was locked in there and you weren't consciously aware of it, you didn't know it. Uh, And so there's oftentimes a sense of frustration, but also release. And that's my, my favorite part is hearing that, Uh, release of the friction and the tension that you know is now going to allow them to be so much more free-flowing in their mindset and also in their communication and their productivity and uh, the benefits of that are endless and compounding. What's neat about the new format of the show is that I get to have co-hosts like you. Last week, it was Lisa Rabel from Rebel Girl Marketing, Marketing Goddess. This week, you're on, and what I think you're really good at, besides helping people with their mental mess, is asking great questions. So I'm excited to hear what you're going to ask of our callers. Are you ready for the first caller? I love it. All I do all day is ask questions. So <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. Let's bring in Eric Clark from OKist Hunter. Eric, it's great to hear from you. And I love what you do, but not everyone has the pleasure of knowing you already. So tell everyone who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into how we can help you today. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Um, my name is Eric Clark, and I am one of the co-founders of a lifestyle brand called OKist Hunter. A uh, bit of a fletchling right now, but we have a big old vision. And so I'm happy to talk to you today about how we can grow into that vision as best as possible. But under that um, title, so to speak, uh, you know, it's a, a lifestyle apparel brand where we sell hats and shirts and koozies and stickers um, to a lot of dedicated folks. We're running a pretty tight e-commerce uh, shop right now. We did expand into some small retail. We've been doing trade shows. Obviously, I run a podcast by the same name. We have a, a pretty strong and loyal following and community. Uh, that's taken some time to chip away at, but you know we're firing on all of the digital cylinders of email marketing and uh, ad retargeting and content development and so forth. So it's it's quite the machine. I think what you've done is really smart because you've realized where the mass market is. The mass market likes to go hunt, likes to be outdoors, and the activity itself is 
That is the mission, to go out and have fun and enjoy yourself. You don't need to be the 1% best hunter on the planet. You can be an okayest hunter, and that's that's great. So I love what you've built. I'm curious, what do you have in mind? How can we collaborate today? The through line of our brand, even though the word okayest is there, what we're really doing is being relatable to the layperson. So this theme plays out all over the place. So we've scooped up some of these other terminologies, okayest golfer, okayest camper, okayest fisher, okayest hunter. And we have OKS brands. And so what we're building is a publishing house. Um, and what we're focusing on are uh, what's called content commerce or affiliate marketing, um, where we can have, we have six writers that are uh, well-published writers across uh, the category of hunting. We're trying to really get the blueprint for hunting down pat as much as we can before we pivot to something else because we need to be able to scale into these other categories. And so eventually we'll pump other brands through our uh, publishing house. We'll pump our own stuff through our publishing house and, and have commerce happening through our website. But the other side of the business is commerce. We're selling product. And right now we're mainly selling hats, shirts, stickers, koozies, really basic stuff, um, merchandise, not product. And one of the things we're doing is we're expanding into complementary products that align with our brand ethos and mission. So, you know, one of the examples I'll give you for context for OKS Tunner is a bow case uh, and a gun case. And not just any bow case and gun case, we hearken back to uh, a time when grandpa was at deer camp. So the bow case will be aligned with buffalo plaid fleece flannel. That doesn't exist in the marketplace. It'll say things like, don't forget your release because, well, most OKS hunters forget the release and then we can't, you know, hunt the thing that we're trying to get. Um, and there's things like that, like make sure you grab enough ammo and so forth. And going down that path, this is like a $30,000 endeavor. And not to say we can't afford it, but if we take that money from the already profitable, well-run oiled machine, uh, we're gonna starve that side of the business to fund this other thing. So we're, we're trying to figure out, well, how, how do we do this? Um, you know, do we take out a line of credit? Do we get a bank loan? Well, we're pretty new, so bank loans aren't really favorable yet. You have to have three years of PL. We've been around for uh, just under, well, just two actually. Um, I think it was 2020 of June when we launched officially. So we're not also like some unique startup where I'm gonna go knock on an investor's door and say, hey, do you wanna invest in our, our lifestyle business? So just directionally, you know, we have two kind of modalities, publishing house and, and product. Um, we're trying to eat our own dog food and do what we do for ourselves before we you know, try to do for others. And that's kind of our way of doing it. So the question is, how do you not starve the one side of the business to fund the other? If you're not gonna take on new money, it would be very difficult not to do that. And it sounds like it, there's a publishing side and then a product side, both the merch and the additional products that you're thinking about making. On the publishing side, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're more accomplished on this than I am, if that gets rolling, it will continue to roll. Like if it gets to critical mass and starts to get the reach that you need, it will end up not being self-sustaining, but it will reach a point where it's doing what it needs to be doing. Is that really how that works? Once you get going, it, gets, it goes forward? Yeah, that is correct. So it's a longer play. So it does take more time to get that steam engine kind of going. But once it's going, the train on the tracks, it, it is kind of, you know, it's at cruising altitude doing its thing, right? It's burning less fuel. We're, we're doing pretty good. We're, we're comfortable. Um, so it'll take a little time to build that out. But it, the profitability there, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of profit because mm -hmm. there's not much cost, right? We're paying writers for uh, good editorial. And then we're, we're 
compensating them through affiliate marketing where they put links to products within those articles. And anytime someone buys via those links, there's a commission that's get, that gets cut. Some of that commission goes to us, some of that goes to them, right? That's the idea there that exists. And whether those products are ours or others, we're fine with either, right? We want to have both. So I have an idea for you on how you could roll out new product and not starve the uh, publishing side. But Ariel Kopex, our co-host this week, and she's a mindset coach, right? That's what she does. So Ariel, you work with folks in the financial sector. Where Eric's at right now, concerned about putting money in one place and not another, about how it might impact what he's already doing. Are you hearing any mindset triggers about scarcity or money in his conversation? I'm not thinking too much of that, Pat. I more so have a question that uh, might bring some light to the conversation. So Eric, uh, there's no right or wrong to this question. I'm curious, the desire for the product with what you shared about the messages and everything, I'm curious if this is what you see as a really strong potential for profit or if this is more of a passion uh, pull for you. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, It's definitely more of the former in the sense that, A, we want to eat our own dog food. We want to prove this model out for ourselves. And and B, we want to get our, our AOV, our average order value up. And we want to have more points and margin for some of these things. Um, I don't think we're going to go into retail. I don't think that's a a play that's going to make sense for us. We want to be D to C and that's been working really well. So that's kind of it. And yeah, there's a little bit of passion there, but certainly um, I've become a little less romantic about it because I'm just so romantic on the business side that I'm more eager on that than the other stuff at this point, which is kind of cool that I crossed that threshold because that was recent, I suppose. The Buffalo check gun case, that sounds really amazing is that what like the number one product you want to roll out or the one of the first things you want to roll out and test one of the thing i believe in is placing small bets so that endeavor going through that whole process like we could do it that way and be fully covered to be done right so forth mm-hmm. um we can get a sample for like 300 dollars and see if it's going to make sense so that's too big so then we we i think that's still on the roadmap uh, we scaled back and we're like, let's do flannels. Let's do bubble flannels instead. And and then we, you know, found some people that are like really professional at it. Going to do great private label uh, or label on the back, on the front, all this stuff. Well, again, too much money. So as the DIYers of like, let's just not have roadblocks and figure it out. Well, Alibaba exists. And now we have stuff coming from them for really inexpensive and super high quality. You'd, yeah. you'd be surprised. All right. Hold the phone because I was having a flashback inside this call. Eric is asking, how does he drive the publishing side while introducing new products that could be highly profitable? For me, that takes me back to my radio days. When I was in radio, we had the publishing, we had the broadcast, and then we also had our website and our email clubs and our on-site activations. How can we generate even more revenue from those radio days? So we would create products every once in a while. The problem was we couldn't sell them individually. However, if we created products and gave them away inside the publishing, on the air, we started to generate demand. And when something is exclusive and hard to get your hands on, and you can't just give someone cash to receive it, it really stokes demand and interest. So the idea that I came up with for Eric was a way that he could start testing the products to see what worked, but put them inside the publishing so that way people could find it and feel like they found something interesting, which could drive consumption, generate interest, have some exclusivity, and then see which products people went crazy for, and then he would know what to sell. 
Okay, so here, check this out. The thing I'm thinking is to use these high-end products as swag and special events through the publishing house. The people of the publishing house so much that once a quarter you're going to launch The Hunt. And you have five of these products hidden throughout your publishing content. So basically you're promoting the new product and saying, hunt through what we're doing and you could win one of these five things. And then if people go crazy and any one of these catches on, you could do them through pre-order. That we're going to do a pre-order in time for Christmas. We're going to take up to 50 orders. Who wants one? Almost the um, crowdsource kind of funding model that if you got mm-hmm. 25 orders, then you'd go and make it. But it seems like the gap between publishing and product is having the capital to bet on what would actually resell. So if you use small pieces of this to promote the publishing through whatever kind of contest or a gag that you want to do through the publishing, it could help launch the idea of we're doing some product underneath the brand as well without putting a bunch of capital at risk. That's a good idea. Cause that is the, that is the, the way you said placing bets, right? Like is the bow thing, does the, is there even market demand and appetite for that? I don't know. You know, that's a, a bit of a gamble, right? And we're making some assumptions, but boy, is that an expensive gamble? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of the, the rub is that what data do we have? What are our, what are our consumers doing? Where do we see things happening uh, here and there and so forth? So, uh, that's a good idea, and I like that quite a bit. This is It's always helpful to talk these things through with you guys. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It sounds like the relatability of the brand, but also the nostalgia of the brand. The Because you've explained to me before in the past how being in the outdoors and hunting and fishing means a lot more than what you're doing today. It's what you did decades ago with your parents and your grandparents. And bringing through those new products that have a very strong nostalgic feel I bet those are the things that people would go crazy for, plus it would underscore that part of the brand. And I don't even have a gun, and I want a Buffalo Check gun case. That just sounds amazing. Yeah, it's it's deer camp. Uh, it's every, you know, Northwoods cabin in Wisconsin, right? And, and you know, whatever. It's a, it's a fun category to, to play around in, and the nostalgic is great. But then you think about the heirloom side of that. Like, my dad, uh, you know, as an example, he bought some shotgun as a kid. He gave that one to me. And uh, we both got our first deer with that same gun. And I hope to pass it down to one of my kids. Um, and, and maybe they'll be lucky enough to tag their first or harvest with that weapon as well. And if that just happens to go in an OKS hunter gun case that's lined with buffalo plaid, <laughs> then, you know, it's just it's harkening back to a time before, you know, social media was so big. And, and when things were a little, felt more simple, unless, especially in retrospect. But no, thank you, Pat. And yeah. you, you get it for sure. Well, it's an incredible brand. If someone wants to know more about it, we'll put it in the show notes, of course, but where do they go to see it? OKSHunter.com. So O-K-A-Y-E-S-T Hunter.com. And you'll get plugged into everything we have going on there. Uh, you'll probably get retargeted and <laughs> sign up for our e-blast. And then something you won't be able to get away from us, which is good. It's a pretty sticky mess. It's, just, it's awesome. Uh, we love it. Eric Clark, OKS Hunter. Thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. You bet. Up next in the Pat Miller Show, Roger Wolkoff, public speaker extraordinaire. I know the guy, and he's fantastic, but if you haven't had the chance to meet Roger, you need to. So, Roger, welcome to the show. Make sure everyone knows who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into how we can help you today. Hey, thanks, Pat, and thank you, Ariel. Uh, yeah, I'm a professional speaker trainer. I've uh, been doing this six years. Uh, company is all about authenticity, and where I've landed is a lot of a lot of the things that I do. I go into companies, and uh, I help. Uh, with communication and team building and the niche that i've found is talking about emotional intelligence that's my that's my that's my thing uh, uh and i've also uh done a lot of side work uh with uh MCing. 
And uh, I also am a certified uh, DISC partner. I administer the DISC profiles, and I'm also a Five Behaviors uh, 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 authorized provider as well. How did you get into emotional intelligence as your niche? Is that something that always fascinated you, or is that something that sells really well, or both? Yeah, a little bit of both. It was kind of funny. I tell people this funny story that, you know, about <laughs> about four or five years ago, as I was getting into this, I was trying to figure out where I wanted to land. And I'm sitting in a hotel room in Eau Claire, uh, 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 actually, no, uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, freezing cold outside. And uh, a woman I've been trying to work with uh, calls me and says, hey, Roger, do you do emotional intelligence? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> and I knew it was coming. I, I, I felt familiar enough with the topic that, you know, I, I, I felt good saying it. And the, the event was going to be in three months. And so I uh, geared myself up uh, for it. And uh, it, it was just wonderful. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've just gotten deeper into it ever since. I love that when you hear about small business owners, always say yes and figure it out by the mm -hmm. deadline. That's a that's a great story. But it's great to talk with you. What's on your mind? How can we help you today? Well, in ref, thank you. In reference to the uh, three uh, areas of business that I talked about, uh, I've gone from. Uh, it, it's really good that I've gotten to three. I've gone from <laughs> figuring uh, I want to do everything down to these three things. So in the uh, I want to know where what where should I land strategically? What should I be thinking about? Uh, from the standpoint of uh, keep pursuing emotional intelligence, uh, speaking opportunities and workshops, pursue emceeing, or uh, really focus on the the uh, disc uh, the disc assessment and coaching uh, business. So there are three products: emceeing, right. emotional intelligence, speaking, and disc assessment kind of business right. training. And what you're curious about is which one do you kind of lean into strategically? That's what we're going for today? Yes. Is it good to keep a, a mix of two or all three? Or really, uh, what should I follow? What, what what makes the most sense? What should I be thinking about from the standpoint of my business? Am I am I splitting myself? Am I, am I uh, spreading myself too thin? Or... Uh, what makes what should I be thinking about in terms of what makes the most sense and, and where should uh, where should my mind be when I think about these things? Ariel is someone that could do a lot of different kinds of coaching and training. You've niched down your business a little bit and chosen a lane. So what comes to mind when Roger brings that up? There's many debates out there about you know, differentiation, having multiple products or having the one thing that you do. Right. And those are challenging questions to answer. I think the it, it differs a little bit based on your business model and the person. And so it's, it's okay to have options. The challenge is if you have them all at an equal level. So my curiosity is with these three different pieces, if we're gonna take the assumption that you keep all three, which one is your, think about it strategically, which one is your domino? The one that falls down the easiest and leads into the other two, uh, the one that's going to be the, the easiest lead in to perhaps more business of the future of the three, which would be your domino offer oh interesting i didn't i didn't i thought you were going to go a different way in asking that uh the what the, the domino uh would be emotional intelligence then leading to uh following up with disc that makes the most sense uh I, I believe so from that standpoint yeah i think that would make the most sense because i can talk about emotional intelligence and if you'd like to know where you fit in the world of emotional intelligence it might make sense to know your disc type and how you then uh, fit in with your team, with the rest of the with the rest of the world, your life, whatever it might be. So, in that sense, that's from that from, from that standpoint, those two make the most sense. So, in curiosity, 
with MC not being listed in that description, yeah. is the MCing it for a different customer base or is it the same customers? It's it's it can really be the same kind of customers. Uh, what I I, I thought you were going to ask me perhaps, and I'll I'll, I'll answer it. I'll ask the question and answer. My heart really lies in the MC, right? That that to me is the easiest uh, because uh, I get excited talking about that. The benefits are, are very easy to list off. Not that they aren't for the other ones, but if I if you were to tell me right now, you know, pick one. You know, I think I'm, I'd be saying MC. And I, I haven't yet thought about how to tie MC to emotional intelligence or, or DISC, but knowing about emotional intelligence is really good to, to have in my back pocket as an MC for content when linking other speakers together or, or linking a program together, whatever it, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, very curious, right? Where, where does the MC thing fit in with the other two? All right, I gotta pull the emergency break here for a second. And I think Ariel was going to go here, too. If you can do EI work that leads into DISC, that's a great yeah. product flow. And I love the way Ariel said it. That's a domino. One brings you the other. But then you said, my heart is really with being an MC. So I got I to gotta pull the emergency break here. If that's what you love to do, is being an MC not profitable enough to make it a full career or something that you're not leaning into for some reason other than the money? Number two, uh, I haven't yet, right? I haven't yet uh, looked at that. And, and I'm, I'm encouraged because that model can repeat itself more than the emotional intelligence or the disc. Now, the, 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 the emotional intelligence and disc I know can be profitable because that can lead to... Uh, when speaking, right, emotional intelligence, you can invite me in one year, but you're probably not going to invite me in the next year because you've already heard me talk about emotional intelligence. But the domino, the, the lead in, the customer journey would be taking them to DISC and then offering them more stuff there. But that's another sell. The MC thing, on the other hand, that that business model is you can, uh, and this has worked before, I, it's pr <laughs> I've done it where uh, people have hired me uh, one month and then they'll, they'll hire me six months later for their, their mid-year thing. And then they'll hire me again for the uh, yearly thing. So there's three, you know, three events within one year. Uh, so it, it can be profitable and, and I, I know it could be. So it was really question number, answering number two, Pat, you know, I haven't really, uh, leaned in i knew pat was going to jump in there because whenever uh, pat hears or sees passion <laughs> in the business he goes hold on lead yeah. in. let's go there so right. uh, you know roger just tying to what pat picked up on with your passion you saying mc is profitable what's holding you back from going all in on that being your domino <laughs> i i don't know uh but i, I do know I, I you know what's interesting is uh, uh I recently started doing more customer outreach. I finally got off, uh, got off that fear <laughs> of hiring someone and working with someone, and that's going really well. Right? We're getting the out, we're getting the outreach and getting some responses. And it was interesting because about midway through the campaign, and the the outreach was for the emotional intelligence side. About midway through uh, this, and I can and I can certainly change gears, but midway through, I was like, "What? Well, if I really like MCing, why am I not doing with with MCing?" Uh, so I think. Uh, this is a this is a validation for me. You know, I'm glad you're asking me these questions. I think uh, I, I not think uh, I, I I'm going to go back and with the list that I have, I've got a nice rich list. Uh, go back and start looking, uh, start hitting them with a different campaign of uh, emails, phone calls, LinkedIn connections about MC work. 
uh, and kind of, you know, do this, I, I can do this A-B test really of, you know, did they respond to the emotional intelligence offer or did they respond, are they more interested in the uh, MC? And because I know I'm more interested in doing the MC work. It's, it's what really lights my fire. Not that the emotional intelligence does it, but when I, when I put them side by side, uh, I know which way the scales tip. As we go forward, listening to the Pat Miller Show, you will hear this repeat itself over and over again. Whenever I'm talking to an entrepreneur and they say, I do this and I do this, but I really love doing this, you're going to hear me do what I do here, okay? And I don't mean to pick on Roger, but I'm going to pick on Roger because I want you to do what you love every single day. Because when you do what you love every single day, you're going to be good at it and it's going to feel easy and you'll be able to charge a ton for it. And the guts of this question that I ask him come from Tara Moore's book, Playing Big. She talks about the inner mentor, which is the person inside of you that you'll be 10 or 20 years from now. And asking that person whether or not you're making the right decision. So the question that I ask Roger here is using what Tara Moore taught in that book of reflecting on the current moment from the future. It sounds trippy, but it makes sense because it can be a guiding light to help you make decisions of who you want to be and what really drives you. So let's see how Roger answers this question. Maybe I'm going through the world's longest midlife crisis, but I've been really thinking a lot about conversations like this because the question is, 10 years from now, do you want to be known as the world's most profitable EI trainer or the world's greatest MC? Because the oh EI God. training and the DISC assessments will make you a lot of money, but will they fulfill you? And 10 years from now, will you wish, man, I could have been the guy? I love the way you put things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what, between the two of you. Uh, uh, yeah, no, great questions. Um, yeah, it, it, go, uh, the answer to your question is, you know, I would like to know as be known as the guy uh, in the in the uh, the MC world, uh, the guy who pulled it all together, the the guy who put in the 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 right amount of humor at the right time, the guy who had the right poignant moment when things, you know, kind of went haywire. Um, that that checks off a lot of boxes for me. Um, yeah, I mean that that's that's it. I mean that's that, that that's my own that's my own bit of special sauce, if you will, uh -huh. uh, that I bring to the, that I can bring to the table. And that's what I can easily talk about. So again, why am I not doing it? Well, <laughs> um, I, I, this is really good because about six months ago, I, we could have had this conversation and I'd have just put it off to the side. But now that I'm actively engaged in a uh, uh, campaign and I have the resources to really go after it, you're right, Ariel, you know, what, what, what's holding me back? I can't see anything holding me back, really. Now, look at what you just said. Six months ago, I felt the same way. If, yeah. you, if you don't do something about it, six years from now, you will have felt the oh, same way. Yeah. Ariel, we've got an incredibly talented guy that wants to be the guy. You've run into this before. Any words of wisdom for Roger to lean into this passion? Well, you did a great example, Pat, of showing the impact of putting yourself in the future and looking backwards. And uh, that practice is you've demonstrated it and the power of that today. And so my encouragement to Roger is to use that for yourself moving forward or, you know, ask yourself when you're struggling with the perspective 
uh, or lack of perspective, put yourself in the future and look back. Mm. And also think how, as you do that, as you put yourself in the future and look back, also think about how you've been set up, up to this point, how you're in a perfect, a wonderful position to act because of what you've gone through. And my thought is what a, what an asset to have someone who is real well-trained, experienced and knowledgeable about emotional intelligence as an MC, an emotionally mm-hmm. intelligent MC. That's huge. So integrating your skills, your learning and your past experience and seeing how that sets you up for the step that you really want to take. It's the kind of this momentum that's pushing you into the leap that you want to, to go on to. And you know, that's a really interesting way to position it. Because if you plan events like I do and you hire an MC that's there to get laughs and make them feel good, that's not what you want. I am an expert at reading the room because I'm trained to read the room. That is a unique qualifier for someone that can be funny and engaging, but also be um, aware enough to make sure the audience is getting what they need to get into the right frame of mind for the event to pull off. That is gold right there. Awesome, Ariel. Uh, Roger, we're big fans, obviously. Uh, Anytime we get a chance to talk to somebody uh, and push them towards what they love, not just what they can make money at. I always love doing that. Uh, but we are glad you called into the show today. Thank you so much, and we will catch up with you soon. Thank you for your help. I really appreciate being on. Thank you both. On the way, we're going to talk to a lawyer. A lawyer wants our help? Okay, sounds great. We're going to talk with Elisa Ruer from Practice Law. She's on the air next after this on The Pat Miller Show. Running a small business is lonely and hard. I mean, we know that, right? But did you know it doesn't have to be? Stop networking and start connecting with other entrepreneurs on the small business journey in the Idea Collective Small Business Incubator. In this exclusive worldwide community, we're sharing information, we're brainstorming together, and we're supporting each other through the highs and the lows of building your small business. Learn more about the group and get the feel of this show 24-7 in your small business visit ideacollectiveincubator.com. That's ideacollectiveincubator.com. Remember, it's your dream. Don't grow it alone. Welcome back to the Pat Miller Show, a show built just for you, the small business owner that's working hard to build your dream. This show grows if you help us out. Can I ask you to help us out? I'm going to ask you to help us out. Here's a few ways you can do it. First, rate and review it on iTunes, your favorite podcatcher. You can leave a glowing review or just click five stars. Either way, we're grateful. Uh, Also, we'd love it if you would subscribe to the show so you get every week's new episode when it goes live. And if you want to step up to the plate and share what you're building so we can collaborate to make it bigger, visit patmillershow.com, and that way we can talk with you and hopefully make you some money. Up next is Alisa Ruer. Alisa from Practice Law and Attorney. I'm, I'm honored. How are you, Alisa? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So Ariel's here with me. We are standing by to help you. We know what you do because you're a lawyer, but just in case someone doesn't know, tell us about what you do. Do you specialize in anything or just general practice? Our firm specializes in two areas. I specialize in mergers and acquisitions and everything business and corporate law from starting you up, restructuring you to reviewing and helping with contracts and then helping to work if you're purchasing or selling a business or a franchise. 
And then my firm partner handles all litigation and criminal law. So if you find yourself or someone you know with a OWI, DWI, if you accidentally stab somebody or shoot somebody, <laughs> or if you get caught with some drugs that don't, you don't have prescription for, that would be my firm partner. I got to think you don't accidentally stab someone very often. I would think that's kind of purposeful, right? I mean, stabbing is not like, oops, I stabbed someone. In our office, it's always an accident or self-defense. Oh, that's a good point. That is <laughs> a really good point. Uh, all right. So with that uh, out of the way and learning that you're a business lawyer, this is perfect for this show. What's on your mind? Uh, how can we help you today? One of the things that I've noticed, I have, a, I have a really great client base, but one of the things I've noticed in the last probably three or four years is an increase in business owners calling me panicking because of A, B, or C. So something that they've been trying to handle themselves, either with a contract issue, with an employee, something with the bank, just some issue that they've been trying to kind of either for like a month, two months, or 24 hours or 48 hours, handling themselves. And then they call me when it's an emergency. And I've talked to you, Pat, in the past about this, and it, it's it's always been something that's been of interest is where I'm not that, Pat knows, I'm not that expensive. Um, we don't charge for phone calls. I need to know what's going on. But I've noticed that a lot of my clients that I've done business with for years still do this thing where they'll try to fix it themselves. And then by the time they call me, it's a larger issue. And then it is more costly because it's going to take more time and sometimes the items go to litigation. So Pat had mentioned a while ago, and I think this is probably the time to do it now, is to discuss how do we kind of get some type of, and I hate the word subscription, but some type of subscription where you can pay us, you know, per month this amount of money so that you have, now my people know they have access to me all the time, but where you pay a flat fee so that you're a little less apt to try to, nothing against people's internal departments, but that you may be more apt, you know, if something's starting to heat up, to call me on day four as opposed to day 322 or day 700 so that we can resolve it sooner rather than later. That's a tough business, getting into a subscription plan for legal fees, because who wants to pay a lawyer ever, first of all? And secondly, who wants to pay a lawyer every month if you need them or not? That's a tough road to hoe. And I know some people are making it work, so God bless. But that sounds like a tough thing. If you rolled that out today and the money wasn't an object, how many of your clients would sign up for a subscription plan for your services? I would guess about 25%. Okay. Would that be a satisfactory number for you? Or are you looking to have something that engages a larger portion of your client base? I think I would look for 50%. Okay. So there's a little bit of a gap between what there's you think you have here and what it could be. Uh, so Ariel, what do you think? A subscription plan or some other way to bring Elisa in earlier in the conversation so people don't make a bigger mess than they already have? You may have the resolution already. I'm curious, though, if we have the right question to find the resolution. So, Elisa, what is your main driver for this outside of you clearly care about your clients? And it sounds like you're just wanting them to not get to that panic point. Um, I'm curious how much of this is, you know, a personal piece of just the emotional weight that you have to work with your clients on and not want to see them in that position? And how much of this is about a, a business growth opportunity uh, for higher revenue and uh, perhaps scaling of the practice? I don't. Good question. I don't think it's really going to be more profitable. What I think it will do is I think it will 
do two things. One, I don't have so many people calling me at three o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the morning or on or six months after and then they're in a hurry and we've got to get it done tomorrow because nobody calls me just, well, I shouldn't say that, but just to talk. I do have clients that do send me pictures when they have a baby. I'm number two on one of my guys' lists after his mother. So it's not that they don't, but they. I think that it's less expensive for them. This is my thing. I do a lot of small business. If you would call me and tell me on day four, I can probably resolve it for you very you know, somewhat relatively less expensive and pretty good. As opposed to you calling me on day 77, and now we've got a litigation situation, and it's going to cost you, instead of go $450 to $750 to $900, it's now going to cost you $5,000, $10,000, $15,000. And my small business, that's there's no need for that. And they know they can call me all the time. Pat and I have had this discussion for five years now. 24-7 people get me. I don't charge for phone calls. But at the end of the day, it's still, it's considerably more work for me to try to get you out of trouble than to help you resolve it when it starts. And again, it's a, it's a matter of time. I just had someone this morning text me. They need something by 11 o'clock this morning. I'm back to back today on things. Now, I'll, there's more to it. Have they, and they should have brought me in three weeks ago. Had they brought me in three weeks ago, this wouldn't be a rush and it wouldn't be something that would be escalated at this point. So it sounds like the the challenge is really prompting proactivity with your clients. Yes. And this is with active clients, not prospective clients, correct? Correct. Would you believe that we have three different small business lawyers inside the Idea Collective? And all three of them have asked the same question. How can I help my small business owner clients take care of their molehills before they become mountains? And their heart is absolutely in the right place. They want to save their clients money. They want to protect their clients. But when all three of them have asked me, I've said the same thing. Nobody wants to talk to a lawyer. Ever. (laughs) We love you, but no. So this kind of program is really tough because she's trying to create it for the right reasons. But it's not like anyone wants to volunteer to go to the dentist. Know what I mean? So I was searching for a way to motivate people to do it. So it's a tough program. And I know Elisa will figure it out because she's doing the right thing. And the other two uh, lawyers are doing the right thing. And they figured out their own program. So high five to each of them. But you got to think about, do people want to do what I'm asking them to do in the first place? And if they don't, you have to find an incentive. So I tried to come up with an incentive. I'm not sure if it'll work, but we'll give it a shot. I would think when someone becomes a client of yours, you could create a legal hotline, a voicemail. I don't care what's going on. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's not. Just call and leave me a voicemail, and I'll get back to you if you're in the mess or not. Basically, they don't have to call and talk to you. You don't even have to pick up. You could have a separate line for this, but the legal hotline saves you money. Now that you're one of my clients, whenever you need something, call the legal hotline and tell me what's going on, and I will guide you. But don't delay, call today, blah, 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 legal hotline. That way it's at least incentivizing them to keep you up to date on what's going on, even if they're trying to handle it themselves. So at least you're aware and can call the penalty flag if they're doing something stupid because their aversion to spending money with you is what's costing them more money. Exactly. That's, yes, that's gold right there. That's exactly right. That should be my tagline. That's brilliant. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I don't even call for, if you just call and keep me up to date, or if I send a quick letter or if I draft a, not a quick, you know, whatever, I'm being dramatic, or I draft a waiver that you need, or I suggest we do an amendment to an agreement, that will save you, if not thousands, hundreds of thousands. You know, one way you could do that is for your current clients, you could say to them, okay, Ariel, thank you for being my client. I appreciate it. Here's how this works. If we don't have an open line of communication, you're going to spend more money with me than you want to. So here's the deal. Whenever something happens, call the legal hotline. When you call the legal hotline, two things will happen. One, I'll evaluate what's going on to let you know if you need something done. And two, you get a free lunch. So this is the free lunch legal hotline. So for you, Elisa, the lawyer, two things happen. You get to be up to speed on what people are doing, and you start getting more opportunities to talk with your clients. And to you, a lawyer, what's a free lunch? Nothing. And they would love to do it. So if that incentivizes them to at least keep you in the loop of what's going on, they say there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, there is now with the free lunch legal hotline. Just let me know what's going on because I can't help you if I'm not up to speed. So what do you think (laughs) about this, Ariel? Are we on the right track? Proactivity is makes so much logical sense, and yet we as people don't do it. So, uh, the, since you said these are your your clients, Pat uh, said it like this is how you work with me. You can set expectations, and you can tell your clients what it means to be a client of yours. And you can do that with incentivizing with the free lunch. You can do that with setting expectations. Uh, you can do a mixture of both setting expectations and further incentivizing, so that they're having those proactive conversations. I think you have to set it up really clear as far as how you want your clients to engage with you, make it simple, make it enticing, and help them to understand the benefit. But there has to be a little bit of that short-term pull as well uh, so that it's not just a long-term, oh, I know this makes sense for me, because they already know that, and you surely clearly have those conversations with them. So some more short-term incentives or prompts to get them to be proactive could really transform your practice That's a good point. Okay, I appreciate that. That is true. The thing that's really great about what you're doing, though, and Ariel called it out earlier, is you're actively trying to keep people's bills low and serve them from a place of wanting to be a good practitioner, whereas some folks wouldn't mind if they called when they were already in the soup and their bills were higher. So that's to be commended. Elisa Ruer, Practice Law, thank you so much for calling in today. I appreciate it. Thank you. That does it for another episode of the Pat Miller Show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. So what do you say? You kind of heard what we're doing now. Isn't there something that I can do or one of my co-hosts can do to help you build a bigger and better business? We are booking guests for our summer series right now. Visit patmillershow.com to share your big idea and reserve a time on the show so we can collaborate to help you grow. I'm your host, Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, here to help you build your small business dream. Remember, it's your dream. Don't grow it alone. If you're new to the podcast and you've listened this far, I love you. And we do something different on this podcast. Maybe you haven't heard this on other podcasts. I know others do. But what we do is we help people on the air. Me and the co-host, we try and collaborate and build their business. But then I also do a short interview with all of the callers just to get to know them a little bit better. So if you're listening to the show and someone intrigues you, make sure you listen through to the end because that way you can hear a little bit more about them. It could give you a reason to reach out and say hello, or it might be someone you're interested in doing business with. It'll give you a reason to call them and 
try and take them up on what they do. Either way, it's uh, extra credit, it's overtime, it's bonus, it's whatever. Free with purchase, uh, call it whatever you want. But it's a chance for us to get to know them better, so let's do that now. Earlier, you heard from Eric Clark and his outdoor brand, OKist Hunter, and the OKist Brands. When did this inspiration hit you, Eric? How did this OKist brand come to life? Gosh, actually, I was like shamed for taking a, a small doe, and I was like, well, that's kind of the neck biting the head off like what's what's bad for the hive is bad for the bee like what are you guys doing we're part of the same community i thought so when that started to happen i looked around i saw it happening more and i thought we should do something about this um and let's celebrate our failures let's celebrate the things that people are afraid to publish because they're afraid of getting ridiculed and it turned out there are a lot more people just like me that experienced something like that that were looking for a home so we've kind of created that home for them and it's just grown a lot since then and i found that that same theme of relatability exists in most categories. And I want people to hear what growth sounds like. When you say it's grown, it's not grown five people. This thing is going bananas. What is the type of growth you've experienced? From an audience size uh, in three months on TikTok as a social measure, we went from you know zero to 21,000 followers, millions, literally millions of views in totality, but like videos that are reaching 1.5 million per video. Um, our email blast grew from 400 to over a thousand in two months. Um, you know, our social, our podcast is way up. Uh, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's demonstrable. We're actually making money on the podcast now as a result of just the number of listeners and, and revenue last year, just in product sales for merch, you know, we, we tripled that and we're only, you know, six months into this year. Uh, so things are definitely you know, off to a strong start. It's looking good. It's a lot of work, but it's fun work. Um, so lot, lots of growth across the board. You know, uh, every we just hired six new writers. Every one of them are like, we know, like, and love the brand where let's jump in. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I, I thought I was gonna have to do a hard sell and pitch you really hard on what we're doing. And they already knew and they were happy to become a part of it. So that, that to me is growth. The community is really strong. And being good at what you do isn't <laughs> enough. You have to get it right and you get it right because you're really talented but you've got the messaging right. And when the messaging is right, that's when everything grows at the scale that you're growing. So what's next for the brand? Like, what, what do you have going on? We talked about bringing in some product. We talk about bringing on the publishing. Uh, as you look forward, are you thinking about lighting up some of these other okayest lines? How long are you going to stay just for hunting? We, we need to learn how to scale. So when we start bringing in employees to start running the machine that is currently okay as Hunter is when uh, my business partner, Tyler, can jump into the next category. We can now have the blueprint and we can just rip and rip and replicate and, and do it again. Um, and now we, we know what we're doing because we've been doing it. So we won't, there's going to be things to learn, of course, right? But we have a much better understanding of at least how to build a lot of the mechanics that go on behind the scenes, the retargeting campaigns and the SEO and the paid ads and, and all of that stuff will work together. Um, so it'll be getting the messaging right, getting the mission right, getting the brand right, and making sure that we have that relatability feel. So yeah, it is okay as brands, I think we'll probably know no limits, um, but it's going to be strategic insofar as what is next that most closely aligns with this that we can start to ripple out from to, to expand. So do you think it's over or under <clears throat> 24 months that someone comes in and buys you? Because that's where I see you going, is that you're going to get big enough that Dick Sporting Goods or someone is coming going to come in and say, here's a big fat check, please go away. Do you think that's going to happen? We had two people in the last two months offer to buy us. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, 
you know, one said, well, if we had enough money and I joked, I said, well, I don't know. We're pretty, we're a cheap date. Like, let's talk about it. Uh, and the other's like, I want to buy in because they think we're going to be a five million plus dollar business in the next two years. So, you know, I don't think we view ourselves that way. So to have other people come in and tell us that, that we know, like, and respect and revere that have gone farther than we've ever gone. Um, it's really something to hear. So I think that's definitely uh, something we're willing. If, if there's an exit plan, we'll, we'll take it. But furthermore, <laughs> I see quick trip behind you and we keep jabbing at those guys. And anytime we make a quick trip post, it gets like hundreds of thousands of views. Oh yeah. So uh, the Midwest, you know, flavor is really strong. We can tie them through some stuff. That'd be a fun one also. It's funny though, if this was transcribed, the way you spelled exit had a lot of zeros on the exit. Oh, we have an exit plan, zero, 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 zero. Then <laughs> we, we gladly go away for the right number. Uh, it's really great to watch your growth. You definitely do it right. Uh, Okayist Hunter is the name of the brand. We'll link everything up in the show notes. Eric Clark, great to see you again, friend. Thanks for calling in. Thanks a bunch, Pat. Earlier in the show, we had the chance to talk with Roger Wolkoff uh, all about authenticity and EI trainer uh, and disc uh, business analysis, plus a killer MC. Roger, I can't wait because you're going to be the MC at the Idea Collective Retreat in November. Are you already like cooking up the program for us or what can we expect? I'm thinking about great things. I, I think about the experience we had last year. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the, seeing the people who come back and welcoming new people. Uh, we just talked about uh, reading the room, and one thing I love is is just mingling and, and and getting to know people ahead of an event. Anytime you know before you get up on stage and talk, because that's where stories happen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, I'm just super excited to be with you and and my fellow uh, uh, fellow uh, Idea Collective uh, uh, folks. It's going to be a blast. I'm curious about your motivation to be an MC. Why do you love it? What part about being an MC do you love the most? Um, I love, I love the connectivity. I love the, um, I love the flow. Uh, I, I love the flow of an event, right? Yeah. People come expecting something with a certain amount of energy. Right. And, uh, I love being able to do something with that energy. So there's a certain amount of structure, but then there's a certain amount of uncertainty. And I love thriving in that uncertainty, making the most out of a moment, telling a poignant story, uh, learning something new, making connections among the, the speakers or, or, or events that have happened at the program and helping people make those connections for themselves. Uh, and then just immersing myself back in the audience and having them tell me stories about what they're getting out of the event and, and me uh, putting that back out there for, uh, for the group. If someone wants to hire you to be an MC, what are some of the events that you've done? What are some of your favorite events to do? How do they start the conversation? Yeah, uh, they can contact me at roger at rogerwalkoff.com. And uh, some of the events I've done, I've worked, uh, I've, 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 uh, I started testing the waters with project management uh, groups, uh, project management associations. Uh, several of them have hired me back in Wisconsin. Uh, I've done them both remote and I've done them in person. Uh, and uh, both experiences have been extremely wonderful. Uh, they, they've been engaging, uh, they've been uplifting for the room, uh, and uh, they've just been uh, spectacular events. I think having an MC helps bridge the gap, and I think hiring an MC uh, brings you that, that, that continuity that you otherwise might not have in an event, and I am that continuity. And the other thing I'll say, as an event planner and a founder host of a community, having an MC gives you a beautiful distance between the people in the audience and the program where you have someone that can get the crowd excited, take care of the business of the event, and then the MC gets to welcome you out as 
the person who is in charge of the community, it's a lot different than making all the announcements yourself and then switching into a voice of authority. So that's one reason why it's great to have an MC. So if you're uh, a nonprofit CEO, if you're a business uh, CEO, and you're wondering why people aren't really engaging with you as a thought leader at a live event, Having an MC will set you up in a way that now let's welcome CEO Sally Johnson, and then she gets to come out and do her thing. Uh, Having an MC is really, really important. Uh, Well, Roger, we'll see you in November at the Idea Collective Retreat. It's always great to see you. Thanks again for coming on today. Thanks for having me. We talked with Elisa Ruer earlier, practice law. Uh, She does a ton of business law. Uh, Who are the right kinds of clients that you're looking for? Like, who's an ideal client for you? Anyone who's either buying, selling, or you're starting a new business, or you're an existing business and just need, you don't, you can't afford, or you don't need in-house counsel. So anyone with between one employee or none, just themselves. And, you know, we've got, we have a couple that have over 500 employees. So it just, it depends on what your size is. We can help you with, with anything. And if there's something we can't, we've been doing this long enough that we know who to refer you to. As someone that cares about what you do, you obviously love being a lawyer. You're famous for not being able to get enough of it. You love to work all the time. What is it about being a lawyer that makes you just so obsessed with doing it? I just love what I do. I love the ability to be able, I love to draft documents, I love to review documents, and I just like to be able to have people come to me with something that's very distressing and have them walk out and breathe, and then I'll take over from there. I think that the my firm partner always says the power of breathing, and he's right. And you need to be able to breathe in life, and things are overwhelming, and bad things happen to you. Your fault or not, and I just feel like my job is to make sure that you can breathe when you walk out of my office. One more question yeah. I want to ask. In general, if you call an attorney before things get bad, how much can you save like, how much damage do we do trying to fix it ourselves before getting a lawyer involved? I have a couple on my desk now that it would have cost them between 400 and 700, and it's going to cost them at least 10. The biggest one is I had a lady who wouldn't pay 450 for a hold harmless, and she didn't want to pay 450, which is fine. And about, and I spent like five hours with her, but I charged 450 for those. And I will tell you that um, four years later, she came back to me. She got sued. She had to use my firm partner, and she ended up paying out $950,000, lost her house. Um, And that's not being dramatic at the end of the day. Um, And I did give my waiver to my partner with the Hold Harmless and said, would this have protect her? And he said, Hmm. 99.9%. He said her check to them may have been about 10,000, but it it was 954 is what she ended up losing, over $450. Wow, wow. I feel terrible about it. You and I, I know I think we talked about this because I just couldn't convince her that it was worth it. But- you're better off just calling us. And I will say, if you're my client and you know this, Pat, because people tell you that, you know, if I work with you on a regular basis, you can call me for a one-off and I don't bill you. It takes me more time sometimes to just to bill you if I can just answer it. All right. When you get your free lunch hotline up and running, uh, let me know, because I'm going to call you every week for free tacos. Elisa Ruer, Practice Law. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Guests on the Pat Miller Show have agreed prior to appearing that they are receiving consultation and advice that they may or may not use at their own risk. No part of this show should replace accounting, tax, or legal advice.